Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our overgloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. Welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dirt podcast. Our peeps with your peeps, Ooh, Irene your peeps, and I Katrina. Peep, you peep. When you peep, I peep, you peep, 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 peep. We all peep, you peep. <laughs> 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 That's the song I'm are. playing right now. Hi, friend. So good. Hello, friend. Hi, ma'am. How are you? Are you? How's it going? I, I don't even know where to start. Are you? Where are we in the, the best life of Irene? And by that, what I mean is, where are our hives? Where are your hives? Where are my hives? I ha- so I woke up this morning with more hives than I've had in a really long time. Okay. <laughs> I know that uh, they are definitely stress-induced hives because uh, I have had a stressful week. But, Do you want to um, talk about it? I'm getting really good. No? I'm, I'm, I'm getting really, uh, I mean, yeah, ish. I mean, I'm getting really good at, um, at getting insurance breakdowns and I'm getting really good at using uh, all of all of our computer system features because I have been playing receptionist for a little bit like on and off again. Um, OK, so. So, yeah. Um, OK, there's just a lot that's happened. Um, yeah. That, you know, I prefer not to talk about. There's just about tra- trajectories on, on, on of items television. that have happened. Yeah, well, lots happened, but, living I'm, but you know, like this, this, all of this stuff has really made me really appreciate the inner workings of a great team. And, uh-huh. um, I'm, I've learned so much about it's, it's kind of like reflection almost. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone's like feels the same way or has, has ever had something like this happen where, um, you get to really intimately know the roles of everyone in your practice and then how those contributions keep your practice afloat. Yeah. And, for 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 most of us myself included until recently i didn't really know what the responsibilities were of an assistant or a receptionist or like the floating assistant that helps turn over rooms and sterilize and make sure that you know we've got enough toilet paper or has enough mm-hmm. paper towel like i never really stopped to think about like whose responsibility was it to buy the cream that goes in the refrigerator that everybody uses when we make a, a pot of coffee in the morning you know so yeah. over the last few months i've really been able to dissect what all of those roles have been and i really do appreciate like the inner workings of an awesome team and when i yeah. hear what I used to hear things like, you know, you know, Sandra's worked at our practice for 14 years and this person's worked here for 22 years. And uh, and that's really admirable. Like, it's really admirable to have people that have felt so compelled to be part of a practice for that long. And I have never worked in a practice for that long. I was always like the I was like the five year and out girl. Like I like five mm-hmm. to seven years was like the max time. And mm-hmm. then I would like move on and not move on because of like, you know, I blew up the place, but it was like, you know, I tried a different specialty or I wanted more responsibilities or right. Like, you know, went from Peter to ortho to perio to like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, to like a cosmetic practice to like a mom and pop shop kind of thing. So I, I really do appreciate um, their inner inner circle of a team that functions well together and like mm-hmm. is able to share responsibilities. So Mm-hmm. Um, I'm learning a lot about what a job description should look like and, you know, putting out ads. I use like a platform called, um, temp stars that has like a hire feature and like indie. Yeah. And like, you know, you, you look at some of these ads that have like shady job descriptions or like not really well written job descriptions. 
And then you look at ones that have a great job description and I've like been able to add really good points because I've lived in the role of a dental assistant mm-hmm. within the last few months and a receptionist and a treatment coordinator and a hygienist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so who am, whomever is listening to this, if you've been in practice for anywhere longer than I have, which is five years, it's kind of my max, um, then I really respect you. Like I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I love what you said about that, Irene, because the definition of empathy is understanding someone as if you've been in their shoes. Um, and you, you really are walking the walk and talking the talk. And, you know, for, for the people who are listening, uh, you know, of course, Irene and I have, you know, this fabulous, like on microphone presence, but we're also friends outside of being podcasters together. And oh my God, you, we are, we are. <laughs> I consider you a friend, Irene. The video that I sent married, you earlier today. You're going to be a bridesmaid at my wedding. <laughs> so um, Katrina and I were supposed to record this episode at like 10 a.m., like this intro outro at 10 a.m. And like, I didn't have a receptionist in the office today. So I didn't even like tell her that I couldn't record. I just sent her this video. I'm going to play the audio for this video and and I want you to like envision what my face looked like as I was recording this. Here, here it is. Hi there. My name is Irene. I'm calling to get a breakdown for a patient for their insurance. Uh, Yeah. Subscriber ID TOR 81775881. Like who even are you? (laughs) But the whole point. So it's what time was this? This was at. This is at 10.46. We were supposed to record at 10.30. And I was on hold with an insurance company for like two hours. And I was like, I could do it. I could totally do it. I can get this insurance breakdown. I'm going to pop into my office. I'll do the intro outro. And then I was like... You are the 44th person in line. You, you are in a queue. <laughs> like, but, so the whole, the whole point of me bringing this up is the fact that like you and I talk about a lot of the challenges that we experience as entrepreneurs, as, you know, um, women owned businesses and some of the challenges that you experience. And and it is it's it's not sexy. That is like the the dirty, like icky parts of being in business is that things happen. And at the end of the day, your name is on the door. Your name is on the business. Yeah, you gotta roll and with so it. And you gotta you like, have to. But that's yeah. the thing. And Irene, and I've said this to you before, no and I do truly mean time. It. Like there's no, no time. You, for you just have to like, go. You have to process react. it. Yeah, you don't it's process like, it. Yeah, it's I, you process no, it. You, you don't, don't process, process it. it. You weirdo. No, you don't. It's just like fact. This is the fact. This is what's happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget about like your feelings or like, I want to cry, like go into the back yeah. and cry. Like I'll do that later. Like after we're off the mic, like I'll do yeah. the cry later. But yeah. it's like in the moment, it's like three patients are coming. Our medical history forms need to be uploaded into their files. I have to send off this like predetermination request. Like I've got to do this. And then I've got to like throw on scrubs and a 95 and a face shield and then scale their teeth. And then Batman change out of my outfit to like then cash them out. It's a lot. Can I ask a question? Um, Because I I actually think about this a lot. Like I journal about this sometimes. Um, How does Chris like respond when like all of these like stressors happen or like you're just like oh great like now I'm gonna be a receptionist today babe and blah 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 and then you like probably come home and you're like covered in hives and like how how does like your significant other like respond to that <laughs> this question is gonna kill is gonna kill so many people what um, tell can you tell so can you Chris, is this like two, Katrina three, just two, asked me a question the, the question Chris. the question was 
How does Chris react when you have to deal with all of these like ups and downs and like crazy things? So I'll, how do you do the thing? Do the thing. You do the thing. Do the thing. You do the thing and I'll, okay, do the thing I'm gonna, and I'll do tell the you thing. if it's right. I'm going to yeah, do, do the thing. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's all right. Yeah. So you're like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Just like laying in bed, like doing your thing, having like a, a cappuccino of sorts that like Lou's made for you, having obviously. A cappuccino in bed. Okay. You know, yeah. With his non opposable thumbs, Lou has made you cappuccino. So you're sitting in bed, yeah. reading a book, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I'm just like rolling off the top of my head about a book that you're yeah, reading. Yeah. I'm just hanging out there with your boo and he's like, you know, reading about the, you know, the New York Times you know because that's what he does and then you get the call yeah. and it's like oh my gosh like our receptionist can't come in today blah 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 and you're like dang it now now i have to go in and do this and blah 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 and you immediately like mla which is by the way like devil wears prada like you know that like she you know, is yeah she's devil. amazing my, emily, my assistant emily is amazing emily you have an assistant named emily um and he probably is just like don't worry about it babe it's all good it's all good. Like I picture him just being like super chill, like super low key. And you're like freaking out. And he's like, babe, don't worry about it. It's all good. And I feel like he just says like, like those cliches of like, don't worry about it. It's all good. You're going to be fine. And then you do your day and you figure it out. Cause you're so bright and talented that you figured out. Then you come home at the end of the year of your day and you're very frustrated, but you made it through and you did it. And then he goes, see, babe, I told you you'd be okay. It wasn't a big deal. You got it taken care of. <laughs> And that's what I think your relationship with Chris is like. How am I? Okay. Yes, no? Uh, Where are we at? Not even close. No. Darn it. Um, no. So so usually the calls come in the middle of the night and they're not like I'm laying in bed having my morning coffee when someone okay. calls in sick. It's usually like a text message. You don't message have to say what you're if, doing when you get those texts yeah. in the middle of the night. No, but we can, I don't, we can I don't use get our them colorful I put imaginations. My phone, I, put my phone, I put my phone on that like uh, do not disturb mode okay. except for like a few phone numbers. Which, by the way, you are one of those phone numbers. So if you were to call <gasps> oh me at four o'clock in the morning, you would be disturbing me. Um, Next in time my I'm phone. in jail, but like, like I mean, I mean, the first time I go to jail, I will. <laughs> Next time I'm in jail, <laughs> Next no, time I'm in jail so, I'm gonna uh, so it's usually like a first thing in the morning, and before I go to bed, I work backwards when I set my alarm. I don't know if anybody does that, but it's like I know how much time it takes me to yes. do certain tasks in the yep. morning, so I work backwards. It was like if I need to leave the house by eight to be at the office for eight thirty, and I have to wash my hair then i need a 45 minute leave oh my gosh that. i know and the, then the i have hair to washing is a whole thing yeah right so it's like a work backwards sort of thing so when the work backwards happens and then someone calls in sick mm-hmm. then the thing that takes the most amount of time gets omitted so it's a dry shampoo kind of morning got it um it's a it's a side braid dry shampoo low bun okay it's a scrub it's a not scrub we've got these like a zip up sweater things it's a zip up yeah. sweater kind of cut a day yeah um and then i don't really speak in the morning like i'm i'm like silent in the morning so even when like a disaster or catastrophe is happening i am a morning person but but i plan my day out in the morning like while Mm. i get dressed while i get up i go do the shower the brush the teeth the the hair the face the whatever but yeah. like I don't speak. Whereas Chris like watches YouTube videos. He'll like wake up in the morning and he'll listen to like oh. some random YouTube video. And Is I he, find he's that, a morning like, talker. He's a talker. He's yeah. Like he's so a, my mom he's was a, like he's that. An he's all, like mom. All, he's stop like, talking. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really. I just say the thing that happened. Like so, I'm gonna be playing receptionist today. Um, so like, I won't be around if you need me for whatever. And then, um, and that's it. And then I, and I, and he's been out of the house, watching no, YouTube videos no and stuff. 
Yeah, he's like watching YouTube videos, making breakfast, like, and I'm just TikToks. like, okay, goodbye. And then I just leave. Like, yeah, I don't, we don't like have the conversation of like what catastrophe is happening. It's like, I just state the fact and then I just go and do the thing. And then okay. when we come home, when I come home, it's like the thing's done and the day's yeah. done. And it's like, we ordered Chinese food. Like, that's okay. And then it's just it. chill. That's, but I mean, I think like now, now that's like so much has happened. Um, it's almost like expected of me that everything will be fine and that I'm fine. Yeah. So there's no like, but I don't know. You're covered in hives. So obviously, obviously, but I kind of do things like silently. Like I don't, yeah. Sometimes it's just harder to ask people for help other than Emily. Emily's amazing. I'll look, Emily Emily and I have a, Emily and I have a morning call every day on my way to work. That's when I take my calls most of the time. And she just like handles stuff. She sure does. She and she's like amazing at it. stuff and she's, she's great. Good. Emily, if you're listening to this and I know you're not, cause she, she never listens to our stuff. Emily. Yeah. Emily. So, can you say Emily so the way Meryl that. Streep says it in Devil Wears Prada? Emily. 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 I don't know how she says it. Um, actually it's Andy. I don't know how she says it. Do I smell freesias? Because if I smell a freesia. So, um, so that is that we have an mm-hmm. episode today. Oh, we do. We do. Yeah, we have an episode. I just, we're all here I just for an episode. We were hanging out on the mic, just talking about nothing and I mean, drinking. We can hang out. Which we're hanging out on the mic. What's happening I in your can't. world? You never told me about your life. You're back from smiling at sea, but not really on sea. You're you're back from smiling on on land. It's smiling on land. Yes. Um. So I was in Miami. Bienvenido, oh, Miami. Um. I was in Miami for several days, which was wonderful. Um. Was it, was it really several? Great. Like how many days is several many days. to you? So I well, I flew in on Wednesday and I flew out on Monday. So that's a decent chunk of time for me to be like that's, that's, working that's for five and a half days. Yeah, that's like a decent chunk of time for me that's to be like several on on a work situation and not like. I, who might like I was gonna right. say like traveling for pleasure come on but um it was great um very busy um and and it was just it was uh, it was so nice to see everybody um and I did return and took a COVID test um just oh, because did you? I wanted to, I wanted to make like, sure is it, was it one of those drive-by ones like the drive-through situations so let me tell you this Irene it was a saliva one not a nasal one and oh. so this was kind I of interesting. Had one of those. I haven't either, but I I really don't like the nasal one at all. And so I was like, well, I can if I can do the salivary one, I'd rather do that. So I thought like, oh, I can generate saliva. Like I'm good. So it, I show up in this like shady AF parking garage, right? And like the no US way. military is there handing out little tubes with a straw. They tell you to go park your car in the parking garage. And then you have like 15 minutes to generate spit. So you're literally like spitting into this like straw that goes spit? into Are the we tube. About like, a, like two grams. Like how much? Two grams. Two grams. Two. Is it two grams? Is it bad that my mind immediately went to drugs? Like how much? It just, is yeah, my, 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 yeah, I was like, how much is two grams? No, it's like, wait, I'm hold sorry. on a second. So it's I, like, I, no, I know volume in like two mil- it's two syringes. That's right. Or drugs. So it's like that's like, it. It's like either a blue etch or, 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 or sealant yeah. material or drugs. It's like half of a blue etchant syringe is what we're talking about, Yeah, which I didn't think was okay. that big of a deal. But by the way, when you generate saliva, I, I don't know why we're talking about this, but most of it's like super foamy. It's not like liquidy. And you had to fill it up to a certain right. line with liquid, not foam. And so it's like, so I'm like, 
At one point, I was thinking about eating lemons. Like I was trying to do this like imagery thing. Trying Where to, like, did you get lemons from? Did you like bring come prepared I was with lemons? Thinking about them in my head. Oh, okay. I was thinking about eating a juicy lemon and just mm, you know trying to get my salivary gl- trying to get my yeah, yeah. Stenson's duct working in overdrive. Oh, and, I prefer um, Wharton's duct. I Wharton's feel like Wharton works out harder. Out of the car uncle. Yeah, works so, works way harder. I agree. It work. It works much harder. Um. So at any rate, I generated enough I saliva. I want us for Halloween one day to have a t-shirt that says, Hi, I'm with Stenson. And you're like, I'm with Wharton. I'm with Hortons. Oh my God. Already under one roof. I feel like now I know what we're going to wear. Now what we're going to wear. Yeah. Everyone's going to be like, oh Lord, here we go. blazers. But, <laughs> but I... Um, so at any rate, I did my salivary test and I just got my results that I'm negative. But I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, doing the correct precautions. Right. Um, and I also wanted cool. to share, I know this is like super random. It may be oversharing and we can totally remove this if it is super duper oversharing, but, um, Uh-oh. I had my women's annual exam today. And so I just wanted to remind all of the women out there listening to make sure that you go for your women's annual exam with everything going on with COVID, you know, sometimes we're missing appointments, but it's really important to go for your women's annual exam. I have a family history of breast cancer. Um, both of my grandmothers had breast cancer. Mm. I'm 36. So I'm in that range where they said, even though really your first mammogram should come at 40, um, I had my first today because of oh, did you? Some of the, yes, because so what of was the that risk. like? Was it was it un- as uncomfortable as peeps say it is? Okay, it was not because you know, and again, like there are other like OBGYN procedures that are done that, in my opinion, are far more uncomfortable. Um, like what? Like when you you put your legs in the stirrups and they're like, scoot down, scoot down a little bit farther. So, you know, and then they do the whole like, when like you get an intravaginal. I'm going to just take this wire brush and scrape the, you know, what, wire out of your, brush. It feels like it is. So that okay. is worse, in my opinion, than having a mammogram done. But it is so important. And they there are ways there are machines that don't have to squish it as much to be able to mm. get all of your lymphatics, to get all of your muscle cells. If you are younger, apparently you have more like thick, lumpy tissue. And so it's really important for them to be able to gather a baseline to know what your you know breast tissue looks like. Um, so it's, it's really important. And I, I just, I wanted to take a moment to just really share that. So for those of you that are listening, if you have a family history of breast cancer, um, make sure that you're talking to your, uh, you know, OBGYN about possibly acquiring, um, an early mammogram just to make sure that everything is screened. All of my imaging, uh, has been sent off to a um, a radiologist. What's the cost of that in the United States? Like we've got healthcare here that covers that but like if you don't have insurance what does that look like mm. do you know like did you like i don't get a know. bill at the end that was like no i did i i don't know um and unfortunately that is one of the you know challenges and differences in yeah canada versus the united states is that even in Just the u.s curious. even though i'm under 40 my insurance probably will not cover it but because i'm under you 40 think so huh but so you're my just gonna, like randomly so get a bill at the end of the month i'm gonna get a bill but honestly it's worth it's it. It's my health. Right. It's it's my health. Like, and, and genetically, like, I know I'm an elevated risk. I, I wear deodorant. 
Like that's, you have an elevated risk for experiencing <laughs> like, breast no, cancer like, if you wear deodorant. The, that was the thing. It's like, I'm at risk. I also wear deodorant. That's not a alu- deodorant. Alu- aluminum free. Aluminum. Aluminum. Aluminum linoleum. Aluminium. My but, mom you know, says that. People wear that like um, organic deodorant. It's better for them. But, uh, you know, or if you consume dairy that, products, it didn't work out. soy products, it did not work out for me either. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not interested in being like that Josie Grossy where they're like, Katrina right. Sanders is here. I can smell it before she walks in. But I just mean to say- right. Really look at your risk. And if you have an elevated risk, we have to be our own advocates. So advocate for yourself and get that mammogram. Go in for your annual exam. Truly, like, because there are other diseases out there aside from COVID-19. So that's my PSA, not the injection, but actually saying PSA. Do it. Got it. Well, so that's what I know. That's it. That's the scuttle. PSA, we have we have an episode Okay. So we're going to do a public service announcement to everyone that's listening to this. We've got okay. uh, a really cool uh, a peep on here. Um, and I'm assuming you'd like a song. Uh, 110% Irene. Okay. I've queued this up. Let's, let's hear, let's see if you can find the parallels between, between. I'm not very good this at this, but I'm going to try real hard. No. All right, here we go. You've been because doing Tim and all over again. Yeah. Is this, is you this the got Tim it. Yay. I'm Finally, so you, the got, Tim. you got one. <laughs> I got one. Thanks, you right. had to be real obvious with that one. I was like, is this Tim McGraw? Oh, Tim Dunley. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is my buddy gonna, Tim I was gonna do like a. I was going to do like a Rosie O'Donnell skit. Because mm-hmm. I was like O'Donnell, mm-hmm, Donnelly, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Yeah, no, Katrina that's won't too, get that. That's too I need far. to keep that's, it basic. Yeah, you got to keep it real basic <laughs> with this ginger. I love this. Okay, you guys are gonna love yes. this episode. Tim Donnelly's freaking awesome. Yes. We're gonna have a great time. He's amazing. Um, I share a pretty funny story about my first experience uh, ever being in, in at a trade show or at a conference with Tim. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. We yeah. talk a lot about yeah. It's really it's a really funny story. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a defining moment in my career where I was like, you know, you know, you feel like I'm so cool. Like I I'm get to amazing. go to like Newfoundland and speak at this conference. Yeah. And, then, and then, and then you've got this moment where like, yep, I'm not turns really out. that cool. Turns mm-hmm. out there are a lot of other people that are just as cool, if not cooler. Um, and it was one of those like moments, but yeah, um, Tim Donnelly is a cool dude. We talk dude a lot too, about so. cool stuff. We talk in yeah. this episode, we talk a lot about cool stuff. We talk about uh, ultrasonics, how he feels about flossing. Um, oh, he talks and, about his feelings uh, with flossing real hard. Oh, you guys yeah. need to check this oh, yeah. out just real for hard. the flossing chat. And we do real have good. to thank our sponsors for this lovely episode. And also, uh, you know, Tim Donnelly works really closely with Dense My Serona, who we've yes. worked really closely with. So it's kind of like these he two He like wrote a textbook uh, on ultrasonics. So he's like, yeah, he and meshed DS, really like, well. they work together very well. Yes. Yeah. Thank you to Dense My Serona. And then Serena. leading like to this on the social media side, like I've been doing a whole thing on polishing these days because yes. um now that more states are coming back into aerosol generating procedures it seems mm-hmm. like the polishing aside from ultrasonics like polishing is something that people are missing the most and patients are really noticing like their teeth don't feel as smooth or they don't yeah. they don't feel as clean as when they had like a profi polish so 
Um, I hired a new hygienist recently, actually, who has never used uh, the Freedom Cordless Polisher. So she's like learning how to use it. Yeah. And she's there like are a lot of loving really it, I'm sure. Cool features. Yeah, that she's loving. Yeah. I mean, like the not having a pedal thing is amazing. Right. But that people don't understand, like sometimes when these when these pieces of equipment are designed, they're designed in a certain way to a, provide you with a, um, a, a gap in some form of technique that you once had. So like a it's ergonomically dis- designed to like reduce mucoskeletal disorders and having issues with wrist pain and hand yeah. pain and neck pain it's so and just light the ability head. and the freedom to move around yeah and then also on the sound side like there were a lot of really great research pieces that were done on dental hygienists and dentists that were having early loss of hearing because of our very loud pieces of equipment uh, and our um, HVACs now which include like hand pieces yeah. Our H- yeah our HVACs but also like our hand pieces so our hand pieces are quite loud so when you use like a regular hand piece and you put a profi cup on the end of it like you're generating and your motor is generating the same amount of revolutions and that is Mm -hmm. then in turn creating more sound which ultimately leads to more hearing loss so i'm a big fan of it i posted a whole bunch of stuff on my instagram including a tutorial on how to use disclosing agent when you're polishing and um which is what we should be doing we all learned that in hygiene school pairs really nicely with um the like splatter free design of not only the head but also the paste so uh, Can I tell you why I, I love didn't this? Know this? Did you know it's gluten free? Hey, I did. did you know yes, that? I did know that's yeah. Because I check all, I check all of the polishes, so it is gluten free, which I love for us celiacs out there. That. Let me tell you why I love the Freedom Hand Piece. A few things. Number one, tell me why patients hate it when that rubber cup heats up on their teeth. And the thing that's mm-hmm. nice about the Freedom Hand Piece is that it does not heat up. The the amount of revolutions per minute is the standard amount of revolutions per minute that we should be utilizing in order to effectively polish our patients. The difference is it's not going to be uncomfortable and you are not going to be required yeah. to press really hard. So a lot of hygienists, if they're used to having a hand piece that didn't have the oomph and they're used to pressing on that pedal wee, and getting it to go, they really feel like they have to press on that tooth. It's uncomfortable for patients. And so it's yeah, a it better is. patient experience. But my favorite part as an infection control freak out person, that's the un- sheet. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> is the fact that it, yes, it's a closed loop system. So the way that the actual profi angle itself seats into the device, it is closed, meaning the CDC specifically states you do not have to sterilize the actual handpiece itself. You only sterilize right. the sleeves. So it's cheaper for your doctor in the long run because, again, CDC guidelines for years have been telling us there's a risk that human tissue could enter into our air turbines and could be, hmm. you know, repopulating or recirculating to our other patients. Mm-hmm. Utilizing the Freedom handpiece affords us the opportunity to easily change out those sleeves and those profi angles and create a much uh, more cost-effective and patient-centric system. So I absolutely love it. So if you happen to be in the state of Arizona, yeah. know you can reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to bring it to you. Okay, well... Um, fun facts, uh, link in the bio. Now there's a new, there's a new thing that we'll be sharing. Like Densewise giving us some cool promos. So if oh. you head over to the link in our bio, yeah, they're, they've, they've now created a portal that allows you to go into like a, a, a promotion that's offered. And then you can purchase that item from 
the portal and it's and it then transports you i feel like i'm talking about like some crazy like sci-fi stuff but it transports you to who whomever your distributor is and then you get the free item from that distributor so if you head over to our yeah if you head over to our link in our bio you'll be able to like experience that firsthand because it's new um anyway this is is our episode with with our friend uh, tim tim donnelly and uh we will we will catch you on the on the flip side on the flippity flip with with tim mcgraw (laughs) and tim donnelly Welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps, with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. Hello, Ginger. How are you? I'm my favorite Canadian. How are you today? Am I your favorite Canadian? You are, yes. How many do you know? I'd like to, I'd like to know of how many you know. I know Celine Dion. What? I, I trust Celine? <laughs> yes. No. You're that important to me. You're kidding me. It's true. No way, Jose. Holy molar. Holy molar. There wow. it is. I just okay. put it out there, you well, guys. I'll take it. Well, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're good today. You're living your best life. Thanks I am. for asking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How how are you how are you today, Irene? Is the life. better question. I'm living my better life because we have a really cool guest who is patiently awaiting yes. his introduction. I'm so um, excited. And yes. I have I have a we story. A I have going. a story about our guest, which I I don't even think you know. And our guest is Dr. Timothy. AKM Tim Donnelly. Woo. Hello. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Just fine? You know what fine stands for, right? <laughs> what does fine stand for? There's an abbreviation for fine. What does fine stand for? And and it's kind of like the opposite of of actually being fine. Oh. And I'm Googling it right now. Oh, she's Googling. She doesn't yeah. actually know. She doesn't yeah. actually know. This is this is what this is what the pros do uh-huh. when they don't know something, they Google it. Too bad we couldn't do that during a lecture. I know. Um, I'll find out what fine means, but uh, I think it's frantic, insane. Uh, um, neurotic. Neurotic and, and, emo- and emotional. That's what oh, fine emotional. stands for, and emotional, yeah. That's exactly um, what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> so so fun, fun fact about uh, how, how little Dr. Donnelly knows about me, but you and I spoke at the same event uh, the CDHA event in, in, in Newfoundland, um, last year, was it last year? Two years ago. I don't know. The days turn into months, turn into years right now, but you were in one room and I was in the other room and I had like 14 people in my room and you had like, I don't know, 140 people. Um, so I, I wondered, I was like, what is going on here? Like, why, why are there like no people in my room? What is happening? And you kind of passed by me in the hallway and I was like, I wonder if Tim Donnelly's speaking in the other room. And and, it, and you were. Uh, so as I someone introduced me from the CDHA, like, you know, warm welcome to Irene. We're so excited to have her here speaking about, you know, basket weaving and nothing important because Dr. Donnelly is next door. Um, a woman stood up during my introduction and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I think I'm in the wrong. So I went from 14 people to 13 people. Uh, during the introduction, she got up and as she was walking to the door, she said, oh, hun, I said to her, I said, honey, if I didn't have to be here right now, I would be next door too. 
So well, that, thank you. Or I'm sorry. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what to say. Well, well, I, I feel like uh, those 13 people that stayed in my room, um, they they I really appreciated them that, that <laughs> day, because if if I had zero, I would have been sitting in the back of your room taking notes, too. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being here on our mm-hmm. podcast. And I'm super excited to learn more about you as a human, uh, aside from, you know, all the cool stuff we get to see you doing on in our professional lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know a little bit about you. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Oh, so good. All right. So Irene, you want to do the thing? I can do the thing. I'll, I'll right, do, the, do thing. the thing. So the, the, the thing is, I want to go back like a way back playback almost. I want to go back to young uh, Tim. How far back can we go? Can we go back to like elementary school or high school? I want to know what you were like as a young, young man and what led you into the career path that you're in now. Now, do you want the soundbite answer or do you want the true answer? No, I want the truth. Oh, we want we, the truth. We, we, yeah. we only oh, yeah. want the Let's truth. Let's do it. Unpack it. I only I want the truth. Absolutely no idea why I'm doing what I'm doing. Really? I would love to have some inspirational story. Uh, I spent this past weekend with my 92-year-old mother who dug out uh, a bunch of old uh, family heirlooms and, and collectibles one of which was her diary that proclaimed in, uh, I think I was probably in second grade, that she thought I might be in the genius category. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. And, uh, I'm not so sure that, uh, that, that I panned out. So and I don't <laughs> want to get into a big psychological, you know, I should be laying on a couch telling you more about this, but I didn't turn out to be a genius. But apparently I kind of knew what was going on at school. Uh, however, uh, I had no vision whatsoever, no idea why I'm doing what I'm doing or why I ended up where I'm at. I, as I said, I wish I had a great story to tell you, but I have none. So hold on. So let's talk about you. Like, where did you grow up and, and tell us a little bit about what it would have been like to be best friends with Tim Donnelly in high school. Well, first of all, neither of you would have been my best friend in high school. Why do you say that? <laughs> Why is that? Uh, and you're going to find this hard to believe. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure your audience would, would love to be able to see me uh, in real time. But it's hard to believe based on how I look now. I very commonly get mistaken for George Clooney. <laughs> back in high school, I, I wasn't always really like this. So let's just say the chicks weren't really hanging out with me the in high chicks, school. The, the chicks. <laughs> yeah, that was okay. despite having uh, a really nice pair of yellow saddle shoes oh. and painter's pants that, you know, in my mind, I was, I had it really going on, but it didn't quite happen. But I, you know, there are three, there are three groups in high school, or at least there were uh, back when I went, there were the really, really cool people. There were the losers. And then there was kind of this group that, you know, they were not really too sure whether they were cool people or losers. And I was in the middle group, but I was toward the upper percentile. So I was knocking on the door with the cool people, but I wasn't quite really there yet. And as the story always goes, you know, I, and it's different now. Like when I, it was uh, 300 years ago that I went to high school. (laughs) Back then, like the history book was one chapter. That's all you had to learn because not a whole lot had happened. And, you know, there it was a lot different in terms of uh, 
social relations. I mean, you were either in or you were out. And if you were out, you were bullied uh, mercilessly. And I wasn't in that category, but I had my share of, uh, you know, hoping that I was accepted by the cool people. And it's been an interesting ride. You know, every once in a while, I'll come across an old classmate who was one of the coolest of the cool. And of course, as the story goes, you know, they're actually fulfilled their destiny of being in the loser group. Hmm. And it's uh, it's just funny to see the way life goes. It's kind of like, you know, those like Maury Povich shows of like, I was a dweeb and look at me now. Like that, this is like <laughs> you on Maury Povich, except you're on the tooth of dare. <laughs> yeah, you're like Benjamin Button. It's the opposite. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll tell you something else that I've never, absolutely never admitted to anybody. Uh, I went to Georgetown Dental School in Washington, D.C. I failed second year periodontics. <laughs> yeah. What? I failed second year periodontics, had no idea what the whole thing was about, didn't get it, uh, just completely missed the whole concept. And it really was, it wasn't until I got out to practice that I kind of caught fire doing that and then decided, hey, this really isn't as complicated as it seems and started to figure things out. So did wow. you go back to school? I guess that that's what you're get, what you're getting at. But you practiced for a little while. How long did you practice before you went back to specialize in perio? I, I did a general practice residency. Then I practiced for three years and I had like four chairs filled. I had auxiliaries placed in composite restorations. I had absolutely no idea where I was, what I was doing. I was running like crazy. I could control nothing. And I went to a CE course and it was by a very prominent person who I actually am going to have remained nameless, but this guy was a mover and shaker in periodontics. And he was talking about all these experiments that he did on with Nassau in terms of fibroblasts and stuff. And I sat there and at the end of that course, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a periodontist because this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and so I then applied and I didn't get in to, to the residency. And I had a kid at the time and I didn't have any money. So I had to uh, find a residency that had a stipend. And mm. there was one at the Veterans Administration in Indianapolis. And I didn't get in. They took one resident a year and I got back in the car and drove. I was in Pittsburgh at the time, drove from Pittsburgh back to Indy. And I met with the guy and I said, look, I, I need to do this. So I didn't get in this year. Tell me what I need to do. And he gave me like, I think he was flabbergasted that I actually showed up in his office and he gave me four things to do. And I basically made it so that he could not say no the next year. What were those four things? Do you remember uh, any he, of them? Yeah. He wanted me to publish an article. He wanted me to design a research project. Uh, and I, I forget the other two probably wanted me to wash his car or something. <laughs> shine, you know. shine his shoes, make him some dinner. <laughs> so I, I wrote an article that, uh, that was accepted for publication in the Journal of General Dentistry. And it was on the, uh, the whole concept was a literature review that basically said toothbrushes can harbor bacteria and you should store them in Listerine. There was absolutely no research behind it other than it seemed like it was a really good idea. And at the time, 
you know, the, you, there was no such thing as evidence-based. So it's just a matter of linking things together, finding articles and stringing them together in a way that met your conclusion. And I did that. They accepted it. They sent me $50. Wow. And it took me uh, probably, uh, you know, a hundred hours to do the mm-hmm. thing, write the thing. And I got this check for 50 bucks and I thought this is the greatest thing in the world. I just made 50 bucks for doing nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And I mean, I was ecstatic. Wow. So we, I, I want to take it a step back because we, we talked about you getting into residency, but at some point you had to make a choice to apply to dental school and to take the DAT and get in. So what was that journey like? You just were like, all right, dentistry, <laughs> well, like, let's do this. I had, a, I had a brother who was a civil engineer two years older than me. I went to the same school he did. Uh, And so two years later, I went into, I was going to go into mechanical engineering and first year, everything was fine. And second year we had to do, and I'm absolutely dating myself. We had to do these uh, computer punch card things. You'd have to do a, have a problem and solve it. And the way you'd solve it, the program was made up of like 700 punch cards. You'd have to punch each one for the next step, step by step by step. And so then you'd put it in this machine and the computer would read it and it would spit out the cards that don't fit in the sequence. So the whole exercise was getting your punch cards to where the problem was actually solved. And it was sophomore year. It was probably going on one o'clock in the morning and that computer kept spitting my cards out. And I literally stopped. I said, I I don't know what I'm going to do, but I am not doing this. You know, I, I had this tremendous lack of foresight and vision because I thought I'm not sitting punching cards for the rest of my life because that's apparently what computers are all about. And so I resigned from mechanical engineering the next day. I went to the guidance counselor and said, I got to do something else. And they had me fill out a uh, aptitude test and it came back forest ranger. (laughs) <laughs> hey, I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up that they thought Smokey it would be the bear. <laughs> yeah, if I would be go into forest rangery and that didn't really appeal to me. I and feel like I, I feel just, like that needs to be your Halloween costume this year. Yes, like, oh, I, I, I like it. <laughs> so here you So um, he said that the guidance counselor, I said, no, I don't want to do that. So I was like a biology major. Okay. And I literally thought, well, you know what? I will just try to apply to dental school. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, When I went to have my interviews, I told some story. I had an uncle who I hardly ever spoke with, who was a dentist in the Navy. And of course, I told everybody, this guy's been an unbelievable inspiration. Hmm. And uh, I had no idea what it was about. I didn't know whether I would get in or not. And I did. I got accepted and I went and, you know, that was that. Wow. Wow. There it is. I find it interesting. Like we, we ask this question often and it's one of the questions we ask almost every, every episode with every guest that we have and you know, the path that brings people in and it's almost like this bipolar answer. It's like Mm -hmm. you either were birthed from your mother's womb, knowing you wanted to be a dental professional or you Mm -hmm. completely fell into it by, by chance. There's, there's, there isn't really anything in the middle. And I yeah. find it interesting that some of the most the brightest people that we've interviewed and the, the brightest minds in dentistry 
have all had this random chance that they once knew someone that was in mm-hmm. dental and now like you're writing textbooks and publishing more than anyone I, I think I know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and have such a huge influence in in the lives of dental hygienists. And I want to get into that a little bit because, you know, there are very few docs out there that focus a lot of their times in helping dental hygienists provide optimal oral health and oral care. Um, How did that happen for you? How did you decide that you wanted to get into speaking and educating? Did you teach at a faculty somewhere aside from publishing, which we know you do quite frequently and we'll link some of your most recent publications in the, in the description box, but how did that, how did that life happen? When I fit, I, I thoroughly, the first time education clicked for me was in my perio residency. And it was a three-year program. I did it in two years. And during those two years, it was the old Socratic, here's 15 articles. After you read these 15 articles, here's 15 more. And my mentor was this like consummate educator, didn't really have much of a relationship socially, but was determined to hold your feet to the fire. And it was the first time that I learned how to think. And I learned the rewards of solving issues yourself. And it struck me that, you know, it it really isn't all that complicated. I mean, it basically what this guy taught me is it all comes down to what is it that you're actually trying to do? And you have to be honest with yourself and define it. What are the obstacles you face in trying to achieve that? And what are you going to do about it? And, you know, once again, in terms of falling into things, I that just made perfect sense to me. And I started to apply that to everything. And it all just completely almost overnight fell into place, made sense. I couldn't understand. You know, the way periodontics has been over the last 30 years is moronic. (laughs) It is. There's this feeling that periodontists are like, you know, these these people behind a curtain that. You know, you just keep cleaning your teeth and we'll take care of the rest. When in reality, what never made sense to me is even from a practice management standpoint, why on earth would you want to keep the science from people? You know, Mm -hmm. I would be busiest and have proven that if every single person that has the potential of seeing a patient knows as much as I do, because if they Mm -hmm. know as much as I do, then they're going to realize there's certain things they can't handle. Mm-hmm. But no periodontists get that. You know, it's always been this, let's just leave this to us. We'll be the ones that take care of this. And that just, that never made sense to me. So, but, but I, and I, I love that. And I, I mean, you and I've had the opportunity to work together on a lot of things. And I, I appreciate that because your mindset first and foremost is about educating the hygienists, which a lot of periodontists acknowledge that hygienists really are kind of the the frontline workers when it comes to assessing, diagnosing, and planning the periotherapy for the patient, right? So I love that you're there and you're a huge advocate for hygienists. But even more so, what you've done is you've taken your voice in your community. You practice in Kentucky right now, correct? Correct. Okay, so you've taken your voice and you've really stretched it even further, as Irene pointed out, you've published, you know, textbooks, you've published articles, you are a key opinion leader for several companies. So what was that journey like? How did you start getting involved with that? What was the first 
step for you in deciding that you wanted to do more beyond working in clinical practice and influencing your community of patients? I, at, at, towards the end of my perio residency, uh, I was really into the education. So I went back to Pittsburgh where I was living at the time. And I went up to the dental school and said, I want to be a professor. I want to teach. This is my passion. I'll work a half a day a week at the school. Uh, but I'm going to save the world and be the best educator there possibly is. And they said, this was at the university of Pittsburgh. They basically said, yeah, that would be fine. Uh, we need a slot. We have like three hours on a Tuesday and we'll, we pay a dollar 40 an hour. And the rest of the time, would you volunteer? And it became quickly apparent to me that with all due respect, I couldn't make a living as an edu full-time educator. And I, mm -hmm. sadly, I don't think it's gotten much better in no, education. It hasn't. Uh, and so I realized that I needed to get my fix somewhere else because I really it's not that I liked knowing everything. I got a tremendous and still get a tremendous charge when when you're with somebody and the light bulb goes off. Mm -hmm. That that's, you know, and I, I, I oftentimes in my quieter times think I think that's what comedians yeah. say. You know, they say there is nothing more powerful than being on stage and making somebody laugh that somebody gets it. You know, they, they thrive on that. Jerry Seinfeld's made 16 gazillion dollars. I live in this crappy little town, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Two years ago, he came here and put a stand up show on. And, and he he didn't do it because he needed the twenty four thousand dollars that they probably paid him. He did it because he needed. The, and he said this afterwards. He needs the audience reaction. Mm -hmm. That's what he lives for. So I realized I had to get it a different way. So I had a guy come in, and this is a 100% true story. Chlorhexidine was approved, and chlorhexidine was going to be, that's periodontal disease is done. Chlorhexidine's going to, uh, Paradex with Procter & Gamble is going to solve everything. And I thought, man, I better get on this, because if this is the end of the profession, at least I'm going out with a bag. <laughs> so the, the local sales rep came in and said, Paradex. I said, oh, I'm all, I know all about Paradex. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a leading expert on Paradex. I had no idea what this stuff was. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, we're always looking for speakers. And uh, this is 1991. And I said, oh, no, yeah, I have, I have tons of programs. And sadly, this is in the day where you had to show slides, actual slides in a carousel. And if you wanted to do a title, you had to shoot a black and white piece of paper with the words typed out on it on slide film, get uh, the slide back and color it with a colored marker to make it. Uh, look, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was pathetic. Wow. So said, yeah. So they he signed me up to do a course on Paradex at the North Shore Study Club in Cleveland, Ohio. And it was like a Wednesday night. Did you get on Cleveland. the stage right away and say, hello, Cleveland? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> so I, I go up there and I drove and I got there like five hours early. I had ulcers coating my entire throat. I was so nervous. I was like, what if I stand up there and like, what if I start to speak and nothing comes out? I had my first communion suit on with my tie. <laughs> you know, I get there and I had my little tongue blade in case one of the slides get caught. It was after dinner. 
And I stood up there and like within, I was absolutely nervous beyond belief, but within like five minutes, I was like, oh my God, this, this is, is the good. zone. Mm-hmm. This is good. <laughs> and I, I laugh at myself because I thought it would be really smart to end with something funny. And I had, I found a, uh, like a newspaper ad thing that was from like a, a, a comedic magazine. And it had a picture of a guy sitting on a cooler, uh, an overweight guy with his pants sagging down. And you could see his, uh, his backside. And, it's, and the caption said, say no to crack. <laughs> and in my feeble mind, I thought, oh, my gosh. This is this will kill. And I gave my little talk about Paradex and I said, I don't know if you're going to and I I can remember it like it was yesterday. I said, I don't know if you're going to remember anything I said, but I'll leave you with this. And I guarantee you that you're going to remember this. And I pushed the advance button and nothing happened. And I (laughs) pushed the advance button again, blank screen. I got my tongue blade. I pushed it down. It halfway went down to where all you could see was this guy's crack. (laughs) And then finally I jammed it all the way down. It was there so long. It started burning those smokes (laughs) and and like the butt starting to curl up. I mean, it was, it it was, of course it was dead silence at that point. And I was like, good night Cleveland. I love you. (laughs) And I got in my car and the same thing, you know, they paid me like 40 bucks and I had to check for $40 in my pocket. And I remember I stopped at the uh, rest stop on the highway and got a milkshake. I thought, you know what? I don't care. Like, I just made 40 bucks for nothing. (laughs) I'm spending it, baby. Oh, Oh my my gosh. Could you imagine Katrina right now? If we put up a slide. Stop. Okay. Let's just play this out. Okay. So we're at ADHA or RDH under one roof. And we fought our way through Mm -hmm. the scientific Mm -hmm. community to get up on that big stage. And we end it with a a slide of someone's crack. Do you think, (laughs) true or false, raise your hand. Do you think we will ever be invited back to any of the... (laughs) <laughs> B, I can only imagine the people sliding into our DMs saying right. how offended they were by yep. our program. Yeah. Like 100%. I've, I've already, I've already twice had to write letters of apology. No That's way. The, yeah. Did you write it? Did you have to write a letter after that one? No, no. Was that, that, was, was that before writing letters for apology yeah, was a thing? Th- that was before it was a thing. And yeah. I spoke at the ADHA uh, in, when it was in Nashville and there was a hygienist, a well-respected hygienist, who's a wonderful person, uh, and takes issue with ultrasonics. And I'd written the textbook on ultrasonics, so mm-hmm. of course, that's issue what I'm with about. them, like like them existing. Yeah, yeah, that they're oh. worthless. They burnish calculus, blah blah blah. And and there's been it's been a at least a twenty year journey of misinformation on. You know, the bottom line is with ultrasonics is. It's an unbelievable advantage if it's used properly. Right. Nobody uses it properly. Right. Right. So that's the bottom line to the thing. So I'm giving my little talk and, and she just couldn't take it anymore. And she said, I have a little something I'd like to say. And Uh-oh. she stood up and went on to give about a 10 minute without taking a breath dissertation on why hand instrumentations are so great. And unfortunately, <laughs> that 
latent disease reared its ugly head where stuff comes out of my mouth. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. oh no. Let's do it. Let's do it. What did you say? Oh, <laughs> I know what I would say. I would. Fin- I know what I would say. She finished. And I said, if that's your idea of having a little something to say, I'm glad I'm not married to you. Drop, yeah. drop, um, and, then, and, and then you you knew you were going to write that letter to the ADHA. Yeah. He, like he was already writing it. Sentence, he in his mind like, while she was speaking was mm-hmm, dear already. association. <laughs> I apologize for what I'm about to say. Yeah. Well, it was it was the uh, sponsor for the course is where the complaint came to. So the sponsor asked right. me. So just to put a postscript on being a complete smartass, I got well, a blank card and I wrote. Like I was in third grade, I'm sorry if what I said offended you. And I wrote it a hundred times. Oh my goodness. Oh, like, like, on like, one, like, uh, on, like, like on, on the blackboard, like on the blackboard yeah, exactly. and I'm standing at the exactly. front of the class. Like, I'm sorry for hitting Johnny after he stole my French fries like that. that <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I think we've all said things that we regret. Like I made a really bad joke in Lancaster, Pennsylvania that I will not repeat. Um, that I didn't realize that the population of Lancaster, Pennsylvania was like a specific type of demographic. And I made a joke that offended a few people not even thinking about it. I said the same joke in, in New York city and everyone roared and laughed, but Mm -hmm. you know, no, no, you're no, the room, read the room, Irene, read the room. Yeah. And then similarly, it was something like, you know, I, I had a situation where um, a salesperson was in the audience of one of my lectures and did the same thing and like stood up and went on a 10 minute summary and conclusion of 45 research papers on a specific topic. And I, I thought it was a joke and I made a joke and I said, do we have a handheld mic? Like, come on up here and lecture with me. And it was perceived as though I was being not a nice human and, uh, you know, like trying to put this person down. But in my intention was like to actually bring the salesperson up to the front um, and that mm-hmm that I had to write, I had to write a letter for that too. You know, what's funny, Irene, it happens to all of us. The same thing happened to me actually just two weeks ago, I was speaking for a um, dental society and there was a dentist in the room who um, sat in the back of the room and brought a book with him and oh. had no problem being over like reading like Tom Sawyer or like, like what yeah, was like he reading? The, the like just of Huckleberry Fit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. And he's just reading this book. And, um, and I, I was like, what's the deal with this guy? I asked the meeting planner um, over the break. And she said, um, oh, he, he does that anytime that there's a female presenter. Um, he purposely brings a book with him and he, he had called me out. He kept raising his hand and saying, um, that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And he was like arguing with me, not about scientific fact, but, um, about like communication strategies and things like that with patients. Um, so we got, so was he actually reading the book or was he just not maintaining, like, was he like book. deep into the chronicles of Narnia or was he, he just, yeah, he was, it was a page. Or, yeah, he was, or was he just, just looking like, at it page. to not maintain eye contact with the girl wearing a skirt know. at the front of the class? I don't rightly know, but it, it started to get pretty obtrusive. And, and the meeting planner actually said he does this all the time. It, you know, we get a lot of complaints on course evals from other attendees, like, wishing that we do something about it and they didn't manage it. So to your point, Irene, uh, we came back from break and he started in on something like that again. And I said to him, my goodness, you're quite the expert on this. If my high heels give me grief, do you mind if I grab a seat and read your book and I'll let you sit at the front of the room and present the program for me? Oh, man. And he like immediately got silent. <laughs> and I actually heard like smirks from, or, or like little comments, little audibles from other people in the room. 
that they actually respected me. Like they, they were like, yeah, thank you. Because he does that all the time. It's this study club. It's a society. So he does this all the time. So I, I mean, but only for female presenters, but only for female presenters. Yeah. So, and then he did come up to me over the lunch hour and he was like, that was a slide on, you know, he, he was not comfortable of course, with the fact that I called him out and I was like, well, respectfully, sir, like you were really taking over my program. I think everybody paid to see me, me speak, not you. Um, but it is what it is. Have you, you written know? a letter yet? Did you write a letter I yet? No, I didn't write a letter. Oh, okay. Well, no, it's coming. Uh, and then it's in I'll the mail it for you. Perfect. <laughs> so, so Dr. Donnelly, let's talk a little bit about some of the programs that you're putting together now. And have you mm-hmm. started traveling and delivering? Li- I'm in Canada, so we're still borders are still shut down. No one can travel or lecture. But I know in the United States, things have opened up a little bit for CE. Um, what's coming up in your calendar and what types of things are you really passionate about speaking about now? I started uh, with an uh, uh, individual, a Canadian. I should add, who is a corporate communication czar, an effort called uh, Collaboration for Change 2030. And we just kicked this off about uh, two weeks ago. It's based on the realization that dentistry, to be quite candid and a little bit more succinct, has completely missed the boat. For 200 years, we've been stuck on brush and floss or your teeth are going to fall out. And that hasn't motivated people to come in. We are in the age of serious dental medicine, but nobody knows it. So what we're trying to do is to get all of the stakeholders in dentistry together and co-create a better way forward. We're actually trying to get the movers and shakers in dental industry, third-party payers, medicine, to sit around a table and say, let's make a concerted effort to basically start telling a different narrative. And that narrative is you can have inflammation in your mouth and not even know about it. And Mm -hmm. if you do, yes, it'll lead to the loss of teeth, but that no longer is the big deal. What we now know is that left untreated, the damage could get worse. So as a result, and, and the pandemic is really what spurred a lot of this, like a preferred level of dental health is an essential part of wellness. There's no question about that. And a preferred level of health is not that you're keeping your teeth, not that you eat your teeth clean twice a year, not even that you floss 40 times a night when people, you know, and it, uh, or that 40 times the night before you go in to see the dentist or the hygienist. The fact of the matter is, A preferred level of oral health is a dentition that is relatively inflammation-free, that is functional, that's aesthetic, and can be maintained by the patient as such. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's the case, the majority of people cannot achieve that without a dental professional. Mm -hmm. And what have we Mm -hmm. been doing for 200 years? Cleaning people's teeth and giving them a nice card to come back in six months for another one. So that's the most exciting thing I'm doing now. It's taking off. It's fabulous. Uh, and I think we have a real shot of, of kind of taking a different path. I think that's amazing. And, and one of the things that I really appreciate um, is I've, I've had the pleasure of hearing you speak many times. Um, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast 
and hearing, you know, how you, you know, well, you know, I, I said, I'm an expert on Paradox and I, you know, built this program at, of course, behind the scenes, you did the research before you built your slide carousel. And even now when people hear you speak, like you can throw down, like you're, you're extremely knowledgeable on the topic, but even more so you have provocative ideas about the topic. And that I think is what makes it so great to hear you speak. Um, because our profession needs those change agents. They need those voices telling the industry that what we've been doing for the past 200 years is not right. And one thing I do want to bring up, um, I got yelled at by Dr. Donnelly. Did you know this, Irene? No, why? He yelled at me. (laughs) I got Literally, I got an email in my inbox. The subject was, you better watch yourself, young lady. (laughs) And I'm like, what is this? So I opened I opened it up. Uh-oh. What did you do? You told someone to, 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 what did you do? I told them to go floss themselves. Oh. <laughs> no, literally. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I was, I mentioned something. It was, it was a, a post I put on social media that was relatively patient facing. I do some of those from time to time, you know, like, Hey, this is what's going on. You know, and it was something about COVID and perio and the interdependent relationship that we were postulating at the time. Well, so basically what I mean to say is if you can, you know, if you can control the biofilm in your mouth, you could, you know, reduce your potential risk of advanced sign stages or symptoms of COVID. So grab yourself, grab your floss and get going or something. So Don Lee <laughs> emails me and he's like, okay, not only was it like one sentence, like stop telling patients to floss. He had like a whole thesis with like images that he sent me. It's the, it's the most amazing thing, Irene. But he did, he unpacked this whole story for me about why I have to stop telling patients to, to floss and this and that. And of course he was right with everything. But it was just funny. And, and I think the idea behind all of this is, again, and you were a great reminder to me, we have to stop doing what we've always been doing because it hasn't gotten us anywhere. I, I will tell you, and I absolutely, to my core, believe this, the most important healthcare provider that a person can see over their lifespan, if they want to achieve the best level of health, is a dental hygienist. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, that is a dental hygienist who's practicing to their potential and mm-hmm. doing what they should be doing, which very few don't. And it's because, you know, the dental supply companies are still pushing to make sure the teeth don't fall out or they look nice message. You know, we, we don't have a concerted message to say, holy crap, we got to up our game. Like, we got to quit playing around with all of this. We're in the age of serious dental medicine and let's like wise up. Yeah. So will you, um, I, I just, because I, I, I'm so excited about this conversation. Again, you, you and I have had this conversation quite a bit, but will you talk a little bit about what a hygienist who isn't practicing to their potential looks like? And what are some steps that hygienists can take to begin practicing to their potential? You know, I think the problem is the goal for a lot of dental hygienists has been to help people keep their teeth. And a couple of my favorite questions are, uh, so the patient sits down in the chair. What are you going to do? What do you do? Like, you know, you go through all the questions. I get all that. But like you pick up the instrument, whatever you're going to use. What do you do? What sites do you treat? And they're like. All of them. None of them. Who knows? I just shove my instrument everywhere. I wiggle it around a little bit. 
Yeah. And then I, you know, and, and <laughs> right. You know, if I, don't, if I don't see bleeding, I didn't go deep enough. Distal of sevens anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, are we scaling the distals or are we oh just gosh, leaving them? That? Irene, Irene and I saw Stop. a post about that the other day. Somebody was like, Oh, do, do we still scale the distals of second molars nowadays? And it's like, what? <laughs> like, right. I mean, kidding? there, there is a complete lack of understanding of, First of all, no one can even define periodontal disease. Mm -hmm. You know, people's feeling is you kind of have it or you don't. Nobody understands what a diseased site is, which sites need treatment. We've been 100% focused on uh, procedures rather than outcomes. So I think a hygienist that's not practicing to their potential is one who root planes patients, who cleans their teeth. And what has to happen is, the, the crux of the whole thing is there are a lot of risk factors for periodontal disease that are also risk factors for systemic diseases. If we did nothing else but did a little bit of a different approach for people that have risk factors for periodontal disease and systemic diseases, tobacco users, patients that are over their ideal weight, patients with diabetes, postmenopausal women, we'll start with them, which interestingly enough is going to be 90% of your patients that have periodontal disease anyway. If we took a different approach and instead of trying to clean their teeth constantly or even save their teeth, if we encourage them to partner with us so that we indeed can get them relatively inflammation free over their lifespan. And while we're doing that, we can and should, if they are diabetic, follow what their A1C is, manage the A1C. Mm -hmm. If in fact they're over their ideal weight, diet, exercise, and sleep. You know, there, there's, there are basic things that can and should be done. Now, for that to happen, I, I completely appreciate the fact that we're asking dental hygienists to do the impossible because they already don't even have, to have enough time to clean people's teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the universal thing. Well, then stop cleaning people's teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, what we have to do is we have to choreograph that one-hour visit or whatever it's going to be We have to choreograph it and say, what are the most important things to look at? What are the most impactful things to do? And stop wasting our time on stuff that doesn't make a difference. Yeah. I have have a few hot, hot, hot take questions for you, because on the on the in the world of social media, um, you get a lot of conflicting theories and 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 ideas. And and I'm curious what you believe. so you can answer it as in depth as you'd like, but how do you feel about uh, dental hygienists probing implants? Well, there is absolutely no way that you can determine health or disease around an implant fixture without probing it currently. You mm-hmm. cannot get the data that you need to determine if there is disease present If there is disease present, it goes a lot further than just, well, you might end up getting bone loss around the implant. And in fact, there's some evidence that perhaps the inflammatory response around implants is like 800 times that around natural teeth, which is the case. Everything we say about the significance of raising your level of inflammation is magnified with with implants. I was in the meeting. I'm, I'm no longer a member of the Academy of Periodontology. I was for like 25 years. I paid my dues. After 25 years, nobody still has any idea what I do. 
Nobody knows what a periodontist is. You know, I would go to the meetings and they would stand up and show uh, photoshopped images of unbelievable bone growth. Nobody. Really? Yes. Nobody got, you know, as I said, you have to educate everybody to the same level because mm-hmm. then the disease will finally get recognized and treated. And that hasn't happened. So as a result, you know, we have to do a better job of kind of figuring out what it is we're actually trying to do, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know why some people or what your what is your opinion on why some people or periodontists or surgeons in general that place implants cross those oral surgeons, why they don't want people probing their implants? I was your, in the meeting. I was in the meeting. Of that? We, I, I placed my first implant. I don't know why I remember the date, December 16th, 1988, in my residency. Four hours. It was a lower cuspid in the OR. Four hours it took us. I would love to see videotape of what we did for the other three <laughs> hours and 50 minutes. Were you just so, standing over the patient analyzing like, okay, I'm going to stand over here. No, wait, I'm going to go to nine. No, I'm going to stand at eight. No, 11, 11 to 12, 12. Yep, no, yep. one. I like three. Let's try you that one. Scrubbed in and you're for about like, 20 minutes. Mm. Right. <laughs> like so playing I, chess. I was with the implant thing from, you know, kind of the early beginnings. I was in the meeting at the Academy of Periodontology when there was a universal agreement that we should tell hygienists not to do anything around implants because they wouldn't be able to handle it. And we don't want them going in and messing up implants. There was an absolute, I was present, deliberate attempt to say, just leave this to the big boys, you know, let us do this, which is, you know, sad, preposterous, probably harmful and pathetic when you stop and think about it. And I, I think that has propagated. You know, we all know that it takes 900 years for anything to filter down, especially in dentistry yeah. for a change mm-hmm. to be made. I think that just has persisted to where people say, well, you know, the hygienists, they just they can't. I don't want them screwing it up. Mm-hmm. And, and there's another one of these statements that I'll make that I, I truly believe in my soul. Nobody understands it like the dental hygienist. They're the only people that get it. They're the only people that understand what the whole thing's about. Hmm. Period. End of statement. I worked mm-hmm. for a periodontist that wouldn't even let us probe. And that's pathetic. So he, he would come in. So and we would have our morning huddle and we would go through the sheet and, uh, it, you know, we alternate between our office and the GP's office every three months. So we'd see them every six. And uh, and he he would probe. He would say, let me know when you're ready for the probe. And we had these little yellow sticky, sticky notes and we weren't allowed into the operatory if he was in surgery. So we would leave it on the door. And we would write FMP on the little sticky note. And that that was how we prompted him that we were he was ready. We also weren't allowed to clean around the implants. He would mm. come in. So if he did the FMP, he would come in and do the FMP. And then we had a little sticky note. We would have to write IMP like implant on the sticky note and stick it on the door. And he would come in and he would check the implant. He would probe the implant and then he would do everything related. To, so we were responsible for everything else except implants. And I asked, and, you know, I worked for him when I was first at a school. So I had not even passed my boards yet. I applied for this job and I got this job and I worked for free for three months. I mean, story for another day, but um, 
even the senior uh, hygienist that was there wasn't allowed to touch anything. And I asked like, why am I not allowed? Is it because I'm new? And he said, oh, no, no, no one's allowed to touch my implants. And in and I read one of his uh, letters to the um, referring docs that would send the patients to him. And in that letter, it said, please advise your hygienist not to touch the implants. Um, and and uh, yeah, and it was like that it would breach his warranty or something that he had this like fabulous warranty on these implants. But anyways, I find it interesting. And that wasn't even that long ago. I mean, that between 2007 and 2010. Um, but I have always I've always wanted to ask a periodontist their thoughts on, you know, how they how they feel. And I wonder to this day, like he still practices. I wonder if he still has the same philosophies and the philosophies in, in place. Um, I would say floss in front of Tim Donnelly. Yeah, he gets no, really angry. I know. I did okay. So <laughs> my, la I have one last question before we pack it up and Katrina can ask her final question. Um, how do you feel about laser therapy? What's your, what's your stands on, stance on, on lasers in the hygiene op lasers in perio? What, what is your, what is your philosophy on that side of things? Fortunately, we, we now have with diode lasers, you know, they're basically disposable. So if there ever was an equation where the, the end result was, you know, what's the upside? What's the downside? It, it, it is not expensive to get a diode laser. As a standalone therapy, if laser energy was as predictable and as great as the manufacturers say that it is, I guarantee you that some major company would be jamming those down everyone's throat. And here we are 25 years later, and we still, you know, don't, what's the best protocol? Do you put it all the way in the pocket? Should you move it like Harry Potter's magic wand? You know, nobody really knows. And there isn't, other than anecdotal, there isn't a really feeling like, oh, my God, this is a game changer. The people that have invested in them will say that mm -hmm. we do not have the evidence to suggest that as a standalone therapy, this is the quote unquote gold standard. With that said and done. The goal is to maximally interrupt. You know, once you remove the clinically detectable crap to maximally interrupt <laughs> Clinically, no. I feel like that's the title of this episode. Clinic Removing the clinically, <laughs> clinically detectable crap with Dr. Tim Donnelly. Sean John, you know what to there do with is. that. There it is. There's the title. We found it. Success, uh, you know, successful outcome is going to depend on adequately interrupting what you can't see, the microscopic ideology. Hit it with everything you have. Mm -hmm. you know, everything's cost benefit. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that we can use mechanical instrumentation that's well entrenched in everyone, hand or ultrasonic instrumentation. We know that we can chemically detoxify a root surface and possibly even the tissue with local antibiotic delivery. We can use heat, laser energy. The analogy I like to use is like if you had a really dirty window and you were completely committed to paper towels and Windex, you know, you could sit there for three days and you would get it clean eventually. Mm. But if you scraped off the heavy stuff and then maybe took a pressure washer and got the bits and pieces that are left over, then took the Windex with a combination of methods, you would more quickly get to a really nice result. And that's kind of how I feel about the bereavement. We don't know 
we have no way of determining whether biofilm has been adequately interrupted other than the clinical response. So at the time of therapy, why not hit it with every single thing you have that has a legitimate potential to do it? And at this point, and I'm more than willing to change as information, at this point, I think it's mechanical instrumentation to a identified desired endpoint, laser energy. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's costing nothing. You know, I, I wish we knew exactly what the preferred method was. I wish we knew uh, what the preferred protocol was. However, certainly laser energy has the potential to interrupt microscopic bacteria at a relatively low cost with relatively few side effects. Why not do it? I feel like dentists have a lot of protocols in place. I mean, Coist, Spear, Panky, you, you, Dawson, mm-hmm. you name it. Like there are all of these like powerhouse uh, organizations are coming up with like evidence-based research. And this is the protocol that we've determined based on if X happens, then you do Y and Z. But in hygiene, like we don't have anything really like that. And it's, you know, we get our information from most of the time from other speakers or our docs. Mm -hmm. Like most hygienists don't have the luxury of traveling to all of these different cool conferences that we get to go to. You know, they go to their doc and say, hey, doc, you know, this is a new thing. What, What do we do? What do we think about it? And then doc could be either one of the members of one of the powerhouses or they could just be, you know, some guy that reads a magazine and says, oh, I read a magazine once and they said that lasers are for the devil or whatever. Right. And it's it's these hygienists um, that are just getting their information from wherever they can. Why don't we have something like that? I mean, yes, we're supposed to be practicing patient specific care. Right. We identify we do our assessments and then based on that, we make our recommendations. But um, hey, challenge to to the peeps in the house, the mm-hmm. Katrina mm-hmm. and Tim, I, I I encourage you guys to come up with some protocols here. But I, I think it can be as simple as, and what's lacking is right. chair side understanding, I, what are you actually trying to do? Right. You know, if yeah. you haven't achieved it yet, if you have a clear vision of what the desired outcome is, then I think it's a very simple. Every time the patient comes in is an opportunity to say, well, what have we done in the past? Has it worked? Based on that, use your professional judgment. Say, well, what's the reasonable next thing to do? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and sadly, we have 16 gazillion people walking around that very proudly have been adherent to their maintenance twice a year and never missed and have a mouthful of crap. Yeah. Yep. yep. True. Katrina, any, any last questions before we tie her up? One final question for Dr. Donnelly. You are on a stranded island and everybody on the island has a massive perio. You get one. <laughs> you can smell it. It's, it's called the Perio breeze, Island. Yeah. The warm, <laughs> you can smell it. Warm it's, island it's breeze. <laughs> Coconuts um, and yeah. hibiscus and periodontal packages. <laughs> Just everywhere. P. gingivalis everywhere. You get one piece of equipment on oh. this island. What do you it use? Pro- it would probably be a shovel to dig a hole. <laughs> to bury. <laughs> All of the team. Man, he's, you, you are genius. <laughs> I'm telling you, he, he thinks differently than most. Really? Would it be, it, is that your final answer? Or do we need to no, phone it, a friend? It'd be, an, it'd be a, a, ultrasonic with the correct insert. All of the I inserts. I like how said with the correct insert. I like right. that. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
you know, I, I'm a huge ultrasonics advocate. And one of the things that I post a lot about is how incorrectly we're using our ultrasonics. And, you know, we've talked about this a million times, Katrina. Usually it's like there's one you you pick up one and you mm -hmm. use that one on that one patient and then you sterilize it and you're waiting for that one to come back out. And most people don't know the names of them or the shapes of their cross section or which way they move or even mm -hmm. what the difference is between an, a, a, an ultrasonic and piezo. Um, well, magneto and piezo. Or magneto and piezo, right. Yeah, see, hey, hey evidence right here as, as proven. So I talk <laughs> about that all the time, about like how we're using them wrong, like the left and right inserts, mm -hmm. how everyone thinks that they should be hugging the tooth when really you're supposed to kind of be using the back of, of the, the left and the right, and how underutilized they are in frications. And I mean, back to my perio practice, we didn't have many and most of them were not as well kept as they should have been because mm -hmm. Doc was a firm believer that hand instrumentation and manual removal of plaque, biofilm, tartar, calculus, um, and quote unquote, root planing, like a glass-like surface mm -hmm. was how, how we were supposed to be scaling to the point where like dislocated a fulcrum finger in someone's mouth, like that, that bad, bad news. Ooh, I'm, so, not a, I'm not a firm believer in anything. I'll tell you what I would do today based on what I know. I don't believe anything. I have a hep a healthy level of skepticism. And I think that's what we need. We need to realize what is it that we're trying to do and what's the most reasonable way to do it. You know, it's not what you firmly believe in. Nobody really cares about that. It's what's going to give you the best chance to get the desired outcome. And probably a best place to start is to make sure everyone understands what that desired outcome is. Great. Absolutely. So good. Wow. Uh, awesome. You know how they do. I don't know if you guys ever watch like uh, I think it's Sports Center, uh, where there's one show and at the end they have the big finish and they have errors. Yeah. And they recount where they made mistakes, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm I would like to call attention to one during this broadcast uh -oh. where uh the dental wine genist said in passing, yes, like and occasionally I will like once in a while I'll post something like this. If I go more than seven minutes without seeing something from the dental hygienist on Instagram, I start to worry. <laughs> I start to worry. I, I'm honored. I think that means you look forward to my posts on Katrina social media. Is what no, that means. <laughs> Katrina has no concept of understanding what her insights mean. And I've tried to tell her that just because you're posting doesn't mean you're posting at the right time. Irene, I want more followers. Stop posting so much and post at the right time, not just because it's a Tuesday afternoon and you're sipping a sangria by the pool I and you'd like to reminisce about, about periodontal disease and how I it correlates. It comes to me. It's authentic. <laughs> well, it must be because I now have a working knowledge of every airport lounge. There you in, go. In, in the United States, because you know. I usually see a post that says, I'm between planes, heading back to Arizona, mm -hmm. eating and, sushi, drinking wine. And now I have a whole bunch of followers that look to me to find out what the travel habits are of the wine <laughs> dentist. So <laughs> I will say this. So and, and I don't know if you remember saying this, but we were we were co-presenting on something. And this is seriously what Dr. Donnelly said, Irene. He goes, well, if she calls herself the dental wine genist, then I'm going to call myself the big cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the wine and cheese show. 
<laughs> it was great. <laughs> oh man. Oh. All right. Well, it, it, it is at that time, Katrina. It's that time. Irene. Oh no, Dr. Donnelly. Do you know what time it is? You know what time it is. How, how do you know what time it is? Who prompted you on the, on the tooth or the dare? Uh, nobody. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm flying cold right here. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, it, it is the time where we end the show. And at the end of the show, obviously we're called the tooth, tooth or dare podcast for a reason. Katrina and I do a visually and virtually impaired version of rock, paper, scissors, and the loser goes up against you. You can decide whether you uh, opt to uh, take a tooth or a dare or dish out a tooth or a dare to whomever the loser is. Um, and uh, and that is that we're going to get queued up. Does that sound good? Absolutely positive. Perfect. So in the meantime, the rest of you need to follow us on Instagram. You can follow me, Irene, at toothlife.irene. You can follow Katrina, as you now know, the dental wine genist, for all of your airport lounge needs. <laughs> and you can follow Dr. Tim Donnelly at Beyond the Mouth uh, on Instagram. Is that the right spot? That is correct. That is correct. And I just looked and I, unfortunately, I just realized I'm not following you, but you also aren't following me. So can we now be follow friends? You now have 581 <laughs> followers. I love it. Here we go. Ready, Katrina? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Irene, darn it. She rocked it, sister. I, ro- <laughs> I won. Literally oh. rocked it. <laughs> Dr. Donnelly. Right, Dr. Donnelly. You accept you gonna- your dish. No, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm ready to go. I, for some reason, have an unbelievable desire to bear my soul. <laughs> Are so you what, accepting what you accept? a, a tooth, tooth or, or a dare? Dare. dare. Uh, I mean, I already uh, gave you my suggestion. You already know what I would have done if I won. Okay. This is, this is your dare, Dr. Donnelly. Um, you have to put a post on Instagram about why flossing is terrible. Oh, <gasps> Oh man. Oh. And listen, that's nothing. I was all excited. I thought I was going to get a dental wine genus tattoo tonight or something. Oh, oh man. man. I, I thought I was getting ink. Oh man. <laughs> we've, all, we've only had one person get close to getting inked, and that was, that was Dr. It was Howard, Howard Brand. Yeah. <laughs> he allowed me to write do not resuscitate on his chest in permanent marker. That was a good I'm one. inked up. <laughs> you are? I most certainly am. How many, how many inks, how many do, you inks have? do you have? Yeah. One. What, what is, is your ink? Is what is it? I want to I guess. I think it's a tooth. Absolutely not. No, I don't think it's a tooth. No. It's gotta I, be like uh, a falcon or something. Like you've got like a I, bird or rising from the ashes or a, an animal of some kind. Is it an animal? I have four children. I only like three of them. Oh, and one of that. No, I'm kidding. I like, okay. all <laughs> we were like, oh, that got real. <laughs> but my oldest son. Uh, got married uh, to a, a beautiful young lady from Ecuador uh, two years ago this August. And he did a semester abroad in Ecuador, then went back and lived in Ecuador. People there were just magnificently wonderful to him, to my family. Just the most loving, unbelievable relationship. I've been there multiple times. So we had this huge, massive blowout wedding. And I told nobody this nobody at all. And it was time for the father of the uh, groom to make a speech. And I stood up and I, I'm nowhere near fluent in Spanish, my son. And of course, everyone there was. So I practiced and read my speech in Spanish and basically said, for you guys to open your hearts and show so much love to my family, 
and to welcome us into your family has just been overwhelming. And I ended by saying, I hope that you will always consider us uh, to be a part of Ecuador. And I guarantee you that Ecuador will always be a part of me. And I had the uh, uh, Elvis music playing in the background. And right when it crescendoed, I had two people come up with a American uh, U.S. Ecuadorian flag. And behind it, I took my jacket off and I didn't want to have people suffer the indignation of looking at me without a shirt. So I had a tailor cut a hole in the back of my tuxedo shirt. No and way. I had the country of Ecuador tattooed on my back. Oh, cool. And I oh said, Ecuador will always be a part of me. And yeah, people lost their shit. Oh. It was because, like, I'm the least likely person in the history of the world to have a tattoo. You know, I'm like the most ultra conservative person. It was the coolest moment oh. ever. Yeah. Ever. Wow. That's special. Yeah. That is yeah, special. That's fabulous. So. So now the dares change. We need you to take your shirt off. <laughs> yeah, that I I'd have to get the so other. So not only do you need to post about about uh, <laughs> about why you you don't like floss, but you need to do a story um, about it shirtless, just mm-hmm. showing your tat on the the back. All right, and then if you ever invite me back, I'll get a piercing. Katrina, oh, man, you, this is so awesome. <laughs> you guys are killing me. Piercing. Anywhere? Yeah, yeah thank, thank I, want one of, I want one of these right here. No, I want to see <laughs> with a tongue one. ring. I want him to explain it. So we're gonna do a graft on you. We're gonna take it from the roof of your mouth. <laughs> I like it. All right, Dr. Donnelly. Thank you. Thank you again for hopping on here with us and you guys sharing. Are wonderful. Thank you so much, Ruth. I hope I get to to see you in real life one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, until next time, uh, peace out, peeps. Cheers. And we're back from the flippity flip. From the flippity flip. On the flippity flip. From the flippity flip. From, from the flippity back. flip. On it. Um, and we had a really, we just realized that we ranted for like 30 minutes. We're sorry, you guys. introduction. Don't judge us. Yeah. So we'll keep the out of this um, shorter. Real short. Real short. Um, but, but in the meantime, while you guys were all listening to the episode, Katrina was ordering Wild Wings um, with her mm-hmm. lumber sexual. What, what uh, flavor of, of wings did you get? I'm assuming you don't get breaded, right? I do not get the breaded, no. But um, I let him pick. I just said, get the naked wing sauce on the side. I had to be very specific. Oh, got it. Sauce on the The side. The lumber will be fine. fine. Let's take bets. Let's take bets on what sauce. I think, I feel like he's going to do a, a, like a Cajun barbecue. Mm, Maybe. He knows I like spicy, so he'll probably pick something spicy. I do enjoy spicy. You By the spicy. way, speaking Onions. of spicy, yeah. one thing before we just wrap up, um, when I was in Miami, my sister flew in from Puerto Rico mm-hmm. to come hang out with me mm-hmm. for like a hot minute. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite moments in Miami was um, I was on a panel. I delivered the, a panel for the day and then I was doing a program in the afternoon and I just I saw that. Was that the influencer panel? It was the influencer panel. Yeah. Like I'm like, what, I what do that. I know? 
You should have been on the I panel, saw that. not me. I was like, anyway. influencer panel. You're like, oh, that's okay. cute. Katrina's on there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Okay, You're I'm sorry. We about your followers. <laughs> so, no, I, I wanted to be in the audience of that. I wanted like, someone no, to like live stream it. Because I was like, I want to know what they're talking about on the influencer panel. You should have been Please on the panel. Please influence me. I want to um, know. Do you know who else was on the panel? It was Martel Coke and Victoria I Peterson. Saw. So our I saw like, I saw the yeah. picture and I was like, yeah. I really, I really wanted to be, I wanted to be a fly on the wall. It was cool. It was very cool. But at any rate, so we did the influencer panel and then I had to deliver this one hour program um, on treating gum disease, a sticky situation. And I created this like program that was like, I wore a dress that was like bubblegum pink and everything was like, um, these sticky situations that we get into as dental professionals in treating gum disease. And so I had different mm-hmm. gumballs and the different colored gumballs were the different sticky situations that we get into. Oh and blah, 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 blah. In my head, it was brilliant did you throw at the time. Them at people? I did not throw gumballs at people, but and this you is what get I did a gumball, do. And you, you get, get a gumball. I was like the Oprah of gumballs. you get a gumball. But I will say no. at the end, I said, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. But the only oh bubbles we should dad. be bursting, Shh. the only bubbles we should be bursting come from a bottle. And I handed out a bottle of Prosecco to somebody in the audience, which was super fun Stop. and kind of on brand. But also, so I, I thought I was brilliant. At the time, I was like, it just came to me that morning. I was like writing my program. Oh, no. And was drinking the person coffee you gave the bottle like, to mm-hmm. like sober for 15 years? No, she was like, oh my gosh, I love Prosecco. And she was like, I can't believe you're just going to okay, give me this good. bottle. Like that's amazing. I know. Yeah. I thought, that was, gonna be, I thought that was going to be like one of our speaker moments where we're like, oh no, <laughs> I like, made this oh, mistake. S-H-I-T, it's like this I handed sucks. a bottle of Prosecco <laughs> to like someone to recovering sorry, alcoholic. Somebody, no, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Exactly. sorry. Did you sorry, give it to sorry. Alan Mead? Oh no. Did you oh, give no, it to Alan Mead in the audience? No, he just gave it to Lipscomb. He'd be, he's fine. But at any rate, so I'm right. I wrote this program and I was like getting ready to deliver it. I obviously never delivered it before because, you know, I just finished. What is that? Writing it like that morning. Mm-hmm. So I just finished the panel and blah, 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 blah. I had to get in my dress and I'm like, oh, I just want to get my dress and whatever. And with my sister and we went down to the hotel bar and we ordered Bloody Mary's extra spicy oh, no. with horseradish. And <gasps> it was amazing. And it was just the best time. She and I just sat there. We talked away in a corner. Nobody could see us because everybody's walking. Oh, oh, hey, da, 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 let me get a picture. Right. You know we just tucked yeah. away in a corner, just the two of us. And we just had these Bloody Mary's and it was like so freaking amazing. Like it was just Sweet. So special. So um, I, I don't know why I just had to share that, but it just in those moments where you just yeah. are in your life Happy and you're you. like, oh my gosh, like I'm this, this is my best life. I was covered in hives and I had just written a yeah. program that I was about to deliver. I and find I was it crazy that you and I are both covered in hives at the same yeah. time. It's like yeah, sympathy I, hives. I think mine are sympathy hives for you is what it is. But yeah, I'm covered in no. hives. Covered but in you're them. also super stressed out. Interesting. I feel yeah. like we need to... We need to, anywho, okay. We should have a dermatologist um, on this program. (laughs) Well, my dermatologist and I did an Instagram live together and she's amazing. So we should totally have that. Talk about hives and dentistry. Cetaphil and CeraVe and Accutane. Yeah, there we go. All right, peeps. Thanks again for tuning in to another very informative episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast. Get your boobs flattened. Two favorite favorite your ovaries Mol- molars of the story molar of the Screen story your ovaries don't hang out don't hand out bottles of prosecco to to random strangers and always ensure that you are using gluten-free and splatter free uh, freedom polishers those are those, those are the three takeaways of today. And also don't lecture your patients on flossing okay that's right uh, we're gonna tune out with our with okay. our buddy tim tune it tune and, out tune um, it that is what it. we're gonna do and then <laughs> we'll catch you We'll catch you next time. Peace out, peeps. Cheers.
thought I knew the words. By taking your hand. Who I wanted to be. This is the part right here. And now that we're together, I'm stronger than ever. I'm happy and free. <laughs> Donnelly, Timothy, Timothy Donnelly, Mister Donnelly, comma Doctor Timothy Donnelly, Donnelly, Mister Timothy Donnelly has Donnelly. arrived. Doctor Donnelly, his 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 honorary. Okay. And, I, and, and I now know, and I now know, yeah, and I know, now know, and I now know, that's all, folks. 